0: I want to take this opportunity on Father's Day to speak actually about um, about fathers and fathering. Um, there is a lot of, there's a lot of confusion um, these days around what it means to be a, a father. And who can be a father? Uh, depending on what you read or who you listen to, um, women can become fathers. I know it seems outlandish, but... You just need to read a bit further. There's, there's a lot of confusion these days around what are dads who, who can be fathers? What should they be doing? Um, depending on what you read or watch, if you just, you know, watch sitcoms and stuff. I'm always mindful that fathers always get thrown under the bus, uh, often get thrown under the bus in sitcoms. And you're like, like just beer drinking, TV watching, lame, like, just they're just lame. Dads are just lame, portraying the media has just been useless, deadbeat kind of. That's all like overbearing or whatever else. Just, there's just, we can't take our lead from, from culture in terms of shaping what it means to be um, a dad. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of baggage around fatherhood. And I'm, I'm, I'm eyes wide open and mindful that this morning, as Andrew was saying, that Father's Day means different things to different people. And you might be here rejoicing in Father's Day. And when I say, Father, you think of your dad and you think, thank you, Jesus, for my dad. Um, and, and and we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate good dads this morning, and godly dads. We want to say, thank you, God, they're, they're a gift. But not everyone's had the privilege of having or knowing their dad or having a good dad or a godly dad or a dad that you can celebrate this morning. Sometimes when you mention a father, it's a painful um, reminder of what you lacked or what you miss. Um, for those who have lost their dads, Father's Day is always a reminder that they're not here with you anymore. And so I'm, I'm aware that there's lots of, um, baggage and emotion and difficulty often gathered around this day. I think there's a need for dads, for, for better dads. There's a need for us who are dads to be better dads, um, to push ourselves, to encourage one another, to strive to be the best dads that we can be. And because most of us here this morning aren't dads, there's a need for all of us to know our true father better. And that's where the majority of the sermon is going to be on, is for all of us to know our true father better. And as we do that, we're going to do two things. We're going to be primarily focusing on that, and the dads are going to listen extra close. Because the best way that you become a better dad is by understanding what your true father is like and getting closer to him and modeling your father in on how he fathers you. Does that make sense? Okay, well, it will make sense, hopefully, uh, as we keep going. Whenever I speak on Father's Day, I'm reminded about uh, this this wonderful story about this kid who got onto a bus um, and he sat down next to this priest and he's so confused, he's like looking at this priest and he's like, he sees the guy, you know, he's got his collar on backwards kind of thing and he's just like, says to the priest, why do you, why do you have your your shirt on backwards? The priest is annoyed, obviously he doesn't like kids, he looks at this kid he says, I'm a father. He thinks it's going to shut the kid up and the kid's sitting there, they're riding along on the bus and the kid's like, my, my dad, my dad's a father and he doesn't wear his, his shirt backwards. The father's like, I am the father of many. Like, thinks that's going to shut the kid up. Kid driving along and kid's like, my dad is the father of four sons, four daughters, and he has grandkids and he doesn't wear his shirt backwards. And well, the priest looks at him he says, I need to shut this kid up. He says, I am the father of hundreds. The kid looks at him, so they get to the stop, the priest gets up, he's walking off the bus. The kid shouts out, he says, hey, maybe you should wear your pants backwards instead of your shirt. <laughs> this is my favorite Father's Day joke. I needed to get it in there somewhere, so I I thought at the start it was better than near the end. I wanted to, um, I'll explain it later if you didn't get it, Um, or Dale can explain it, he seems to have got it, so I want to make a distinction as I speak this morning because there there is a distinction I think you see in the scriptures between when everyone talks about God as a father, God is a father to all. God is a father to all in a creative sense, but God is only a father in a relational sense to those who follow Jesus as Savior and Lord. There is a distinction you see in the scriptures because when you open up the Bible, there's lots of um, promises of how God will be as a father to people Um, and things that we can rely on Um, from him and look to him for but they're not universal promises if God has not become a father relationally to people there is a sense like I said in God is the the, a father in a creative sense God has made everyone he is everyone's creator and a father in that sense like a like you don't have to be an involved um, dad to be a father you know, you can you can father a child, but have nothing to do with that child. In some, it's not the same with God. But I'm trying to explain that distinction. There is a difference that you see in the scriptures in God being a father in a relational um, sense. And a lot of what I'm going to speak about today is about God being a father in the relational way. And and I and I want to encourage you this morning that if you um, and and provoke you that if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ as your as your Lord and as your Savior and look to Him. Um, Hopefully, this morning, you look in with longing. You look in with longing at, at what um, this relationship with the Father could be like for you. Because a lot of what I'm going to speak about is, it pertains particularly to those who are uh, believers. I want to remind us that um, we know what the Father's like because of Jesus. We know what the Father's like because of Jesus. Jesus said this of himself. He said, if you've seen me, in John 1.18, uh, he says, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son. This is Jesus, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. That's how we come to know uh, what the Father is like, Is because Jesus has come into the world and revealed us. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In John 14, verse 8, Jesus, um, Jesus and his disciples have been this discussion. And from verse 8, Lord said, Philip, show us the Father, and, and that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been a Among you all this time when you don't know me, Philip, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. It's very important that as we read the Gospels, as we consider Jesus, we're seeing an exact image of what the Father is like. We're seeing Jesus do exactly what his Father tells him to do. Jesus is not rogue on his own mission. He says, I only do what my Father tells me to do. And so we understand. We come to a knowledge of what the Father's like by looking at the Son. We come to a knowledge of what the Father's like by looking at the Son because we haven't met the Father, we haven't seen the Father, but we've seen the Son. And Jesus says, that is sufficient for us to know what the Father is like. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. That's wonky theology. They're different. They're both God, but we do know what the Father's like by looking at the Son. And there's a few things I want to be reminding us of this morning. Only four things. There's a million things about God as a Father that we could dig into. There's four things I want to remind us of. The first is love. <clears throat> the first is love. And, and, and each of these is a call to fathers, and this is an explanation of what our Father is like. I think as dads, there's a call for us as dads, as fathers, to love our children. Um, to love them. It's the, it's the overwhelming banner over our lives as we as we think about our kids, as we relate to them, as we look at them, as we consider them, is to love them. And to love them not in a way that we think love would translate, to love them in a way that our Father has loved us, and to lay down our lives, as it were, for our children, um, in in sacrificial, giving, outpouring love. And... It sounds easy, especially on Father's Day when they buy you presents and you know they're nice to you and all that kind of stuff. But it's hard in the day to day to constantly give of yourself as a as a father to your children in self-sacrificing love. I have been so shaped and encouraged by um, by this teaching Jesus has for us of what our fathers like and the love that the Father has for us. And I think for all of us, and particularly for dads. This is central, central, central to what it means to understand what the Father is like and how the Father's love inhabits us. So if, if you have a Bible, you can open up and follow and flip all over the place. You're going to be in a few different passages. But in John 17, uh, we're going to read a few verses here. John 17 from verse 20. I think most of these are up on the screen if you don't have something with you. Jesus says, he, he's praying here for his, for his disciples. He says, and, and, and future disciples, he says, I pray... Not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one. That the world may know you have sent me. And this is the part that I really want to, I want you to listen to. And have loved them as you have loved me. You have loved them as you have loved me. There's no preference or distinction there. The Father loves you like He's loved His Son. And, and it continues. Verse 24, Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am. So that they will see my glory which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will continue to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. So there's two things there. In verse 23, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And verse 26, that the love that you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. It, it's, it's mind-bending and worth sitting down and considering that you've been loved with the same love that the Father has eternally had for His own Son. There's this, this eternal relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and that love, is the, is, that is perfect love. It's not loving, it is the perfection of love. And the Father loves you, with that same love. Not only does that, does he love you with it. But he has allowed that love to be in us. Who call Jesus Lord. I mean you're empowered with the love. To love others with. To love the God with. To love others with it. That's It's not like a winding ourselves up. Let me try to be a better dad. A better person. We have been filled with the same love that the father has for the son. It, it's 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 wild. I don't know what other word to use. Wild is maybe not the right word, but it's, it's, it is mind-bending that we have been loved to that degree and filled with that kind of love. And I think when it comes to love, I, I'm always aware of there's three A's that um, are essential for us as dads, um, to get our heads around in loving our kids, and for us as those who follow our Father, um, acceptance, approval, and affection. This is what kids need from their dads. Acceptance, approval, and affection. They need a lot more, but they need at least those three things. The kids need to understand that, hey, I love you. My kids need to know when they come to me that they are accepted by me, not on the basis of what they do, but on the basis of who they are. That's the summary of the message of the gospel, isn't it? We come to God and we are accepted not on the basis of what we do, but on the basis of who we are because he has made us his own. He has made us his children, and we are accepted. We don't have to come to church, strive, be better, do better, whatever else, to be accepted. We are accepted, and we live differently as a result of being accepted. This is both a a father's thing and a believer's thing. We need to be and feel accepted. We need to have a sense of approval. It's important for us as dads that our kids sense our approval over them. They, they're longing and searching for approval. And they're going to want to be approved in different places. So if they're not getting it from their dads, they're going to look for it in other places in the world. I always think it's um, interesting that Jesus, when he's in the world, remember that Jesus comes and lays aside his divinity. He lays aside his full rights to being God. He comes as this God-man but he comes as a, fully as a man. He needs to be fully a man to live a perfect life in our place. Because he's fully a man. He's, he's experiencing his earthly life fully as a man. And so I think he still needed that sense of his father's approval over him. And it's interesting that at his baptism, what do you see happen? He comes up out of the water. There's a voice from heaven. It says, this is my son, whom I love. listen to him? He says, well done, my son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. There's words, multiple words of affirmation and approval over Jesus that I think in his humanity, he needed to, be, he needed to hear that and be reminded that his father approved of him. His father approved of him. Guys, uh, dads, we need to say those things. We need to approve of our kids and remind them and let them know that, man, we love them and we approve of them. And affection. Affection. Approval, uh, sorry, what is it acceptance, approval, and affection? Um, I encourage every dad never to shake their son's hand. Don't shake your son's hand. We see this, um, we're involved in rugby and other things, and you see some dads, and they're just so stiff and wooden. Like I see you know, it's kind of like, I'm not just throwing the Afrikaans under the bus, it's not just an Afrikaans thing kind of thing. It's like, it can be in any culture where dads feel like it's a bit much. To hug your son. So, all you get is a handshake or a pat on the back kind of thing. Dads, if you have children, they need to be awash with your affection. Love them. Hug them. Pick them up. Wrestle with them. I mean, obviously, at different ages, you know. If you're careful. Take it easy wrestling with your adult kids. You might end up uh, at physio. and Blame it on me. But, you know, love, show them appropriate affection. I want my kids... To grow up thinking, my dad loves me because he just, that, you, know, you want them to say, don't stop hugging me. You know, oh. you know they do get to that age. That my kids aren't there yet, uh, are they? No, well, I'm not going to make eye contact with my kids. So. But we want them to like feel affection, not just to hear, not to be approved, accepted, but to know. Like, my dad loves me and he shows it in demonstrative ways. Because God has shown demonstrative affection to us in filling us with the spirit that has allowed us to know at the deepest part of who we are that we are loved by him. It's not just like a, a letter that is written to us or a statement over your life. There is an internal affection that you can sense from a father, our father. The second is leadership. So there's love, there's leadership. I think as as dads, we're called to lead our kids, not perfectly, not in an authoritarian way. That's the abusive, losing our way as dads, where it's like, this is my house and you'll do as I say. And it's like, ah, you know, walk around like a tyrant kind of thing. That's not <clears throat> loving leadership. Our leadership of our children is modeled on the servant leadership of Jesus, who lays down his life um, for those that he leads. That's our call as dads. But what is our, what is our father like as he leads us? Well, there's, there's, there's so many things under this, but he is sovereign. Over us. He's a father who's sovereign over our lives. There's nothing that happens in the life of Andrew Byrne that doesn't come from the hand of God. From his father. From his good father. And it may not all be easy, it may not all be comfortable, but it comes from his good father. That's the kind of father that we have. He's always thinking about us and he's planned our lives to do good to us. And the word says he never stops doing good to us. That's the kind of father that you have who's sovereign over us. He guides us. He instructs us in his ways. I'm so grateful for the books of Psalms and Proverbs that remind us again that the Lord's instruction. You're wise if you listen to a father's instruction, and you're wise if you listen to your father's instruction. And his instruction is his word. If you want to know what to do with your life, how to live? There it is. There is a wise person listens to their father's instruction to get your head into the Word and allow your, your life to be shaped by the truth of the Scriptures. And then, there's, then there's discipline. The Bible makes a strong case for this, that us as dads, we need to discipline our children in an appropriate ways because it mirrors our true father who disciplines us. In Hebrews 12, uh, From verse 5 to 8, it says this, it's diving into a, a flow of thought. It says, they have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline, God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. The writer of the Hebrews is making this point that if you, if God doesn't discipline you, it means he's not your father. Uh, I don't discipline other people's kids. That's not my role. I'm not their dad. Yeah, that would be a bit weird kind of thing. You roll into somebody else's house and just start calling the shots and saying, hey, look, yeah, this is all gonna, how it's going to go down. The kids are like, who are you? You know? Uh, th- that's the... The point of this passage is like, it's not like the who are you. It's like we should receive the Lord's discipline as a sign, as a mark that we are truly sons and not, not despise it, but receive it with joy because it's proving that we are actually his. It's proving, it's reminding us, yeah, we are we are sons of his. And, and when I say sons, I'm meaning positionally sons. I'm not getting into this weird patriarchal kind of, um, you can lose your way, like all the ladies here are thinking, why are you just talking about sons? Sons is a positional thing in the scriptures. It's not a, a gender thing, kind of thing. Uh, Vanessa for Mark is a son of God. She's also a daughter of God, but positionally, she's a son because God has set it up that the sons inherit everything of the fathers. Vanessa inherits everything of the fathers. She is positionally a son, but she's also a daughter. Maybe another sermon to explain that more, more fully. I mean, if some of you are looking at me like, how can you be a son and a daughter? Uh, you can be both. You can be both. Because you're, if you're a female, you're a daughter of God. But you're positionally, everyone who is a believer in Jesus is a son. Because only the sons inherit the fullness of the Father. And the woman inherit as much as the men. And when the Bible talks about sons, it's talking about all of us who call Jesus Lord. It's not just talk. It's not a, a note to the dudes. And all the ladies are like, "That's weird. I don't get a mention in the Book of Hebrews anyway." It's like, no, no, everywhere it's his sons. Is you because positionally in God, you're a son, even though you may be a lady. You're a daughter of His. The third, um, the third reminder, the third area for us to focus on is as fathers as his presence. His presence, love, leadership, and presence. I think this is a call to us as dads to be present. And I, I think I'm actually encouraged by this. I, I follow some of this research and, and Google a lot of the research and the amount of time that dads are spending with their kids is actually increasing. It's not decreasing. It's increasing. Isn't that good news for today? I'm encouraged by them saying, come on, next generation of dads, just get act together. Maybe there was a past generation where the dads were all at work 9 to 5. Now they don't have to be at work 9 to 5. They're at home 9 to 5 and they're kicking the kids out to study so they can get some work done or whatever, however it's rolling. But dads, According to all the statistics, they're spending more time with their kids, but it's still not enough. Even the good dads are spending way less time with their kids than they need to. And guys, it's it's a reminder and it's a call to us that if you want to be a godly dad, you have to be present. You have to make a decision. What are you gonna prioritize? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna not do? Because every decision to say yes to something is a decision to say no to something else, and sometimes we, those are the hardest ones to say no to other good things, other things that we want to do, so we can say yes to time with our kids, um, presence. Some of you grew up with dads who you sure loved you, but you just never saw them. They weren't around. They weren't involved. They didn't create meaningful memories for you and shape uh, your view of yourself or your view of God just by being present. And there was a lack of joy. And now you you struggle to understand and to relate to God as a father because there wasn't enough presence from an earthly father modeling what your heavenly father is like. We need to be present. What is our father in heaven like? Well, Psalm 121, verse 3 and 4 says this: He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. God is always awake. Our Father is always awake and always with us. I love that picture. I love it. I remind myself often of this when I go to sleep, that I'm going to go to sleep because I need to go to sleep. you know. But no one, my Father's not sleeping. He's awake. He's always on the job. He doesn't get tired. He never gets tired. Isn't that an amazing thought that the Father never gets tired? He created the Word in six days. He didn't rest on the seventh day because he was exhausted. He's like, wow. Look at everything I made. I need to rest. I need to find somewhere in, somewhere in heaven to just sit down for a while. He didn't rest because he was tired. He doesn't get tired. Your Father in heaven never, ever, ever gets tired. Nothing is difficult for him. Creating multiple universes is nothing for him. And it's easy. Nothing for him to pull on all night every single night of all eternity. Watching over you. He doesn't sleep. And he will not let your foot slip. That's the encouragement. Nothing's going to happen to you that's outside. It's not like, oh, oh, something happened in your life and he was, he was busy somewhere else. And he's like, oh, no, drop the ball there. He says, no, he's watching over you. Like he's not sleeping. Hebrews 13, verse 5, he says, I will never leave you nor abandon you. I will never leave you or abandon you. For many people, maybe not many in this room, but many in our country, particularly, this is a massive thing. Guys who don't know their dads, whose dads have left, abandoned them. And many, many people struggle to relate to God as a father because their father abandoned them. The father walked out. The father chose someone or something else. And they've lived with that banner over their life. Your father didn't want you. Your father left. And the message of our father to us is, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I'm going nowhere. You are always with me. I am always with you. There's something so settling about that. My little guy's here. I don't mind telling the story while he's here. I don't know why he's not in Sunday school, but anyway. I went on an overseas uh, trip for 10 days kind of thing. And it's so cute when they're eight, they still miss you. The older ones, they're like, oh, like a time away from dad kind of thing. But You phone me every time. Oh, dad, I miss you. Dad, I miss you. I miss you. So concerned. When are you coming back? When are you coming back? It's such a lovely age when your kids are like that. Some of you are thinking, I almost remember when my kids used to miss me kind of thing. Um, when your kids miss you, they're concerned. Come back. Come back. That's a healthy thing. Your kids should miss you. Say, hey, come back. Come back. How much longer? How many more sleeps until you come back kind of thing? There's a longing, it's wired into us, fathers, to be with our kids. But uh, for us, in relation to our Father, we're wired to be with Him. That's why Jesus came into the world, so that we could be with our Father. And His assurance to us is, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Matthew 28, verse 20. Remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you always. It doesn't matter, guys, what you're going through. He is always with us. This is probably the strongest reminder for us on Father's Day, is that He is always, always with us. Psalm 139. Let's read the first six verses of this. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it all. You know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. There's absolutely nothing that you think, say, or do that your Father is unaware of. And for some people, they're like, "Whoa, that's a bit clingy. I need a bit more. <laughs> would prefer a bit more space." But it should be a settling thing for us to say, hey, this is so encouraging. Everything is under his hand and his love. Placed your hand on me and encircled me. He sees, he knows, he hears, he's with us. He's never leaving, he's never walking out. He's never turning away. He's never dropping the ball. The last thing is provision. We're called as dads to provide. We're called as dads to provide for our kids to work hard, to meet the needs of our families. And not alone, Understand, I'm not saying anything about wives who work and all that stuff. I'm, don't misread what I'm saying. Here kind of thing. I'm talking about the dads as a call in the scriptures for us to provide, to work to provide for their needs, not just um, love and affection and whatever else, nurture, but also to provide physically for them. And I want to say this, this can be particularly stressful for dads. And I want to point you, if you're a dad this morning, to our ultimate father, who's the ultimate provider and the anxiety lifter over the dads who struggle with it. So how am I going to provide? My kids need this. My kids need this. I need this. What's going on? This is what our ultimate heavenly father is like. I want to remind you of this from Matthew 6, verse 27. Just diving into what Jesus is saying. Here. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread yet. I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. This is encouragement, affirmation, and reminder for all of us. Not just the dads, but particularly for the dads. Feeling the stress of provision. That ultimately, the father knows what you need. Ultimately, he knows what you need and he knows what your family need. And he's able and faithful to provide. And for all of us who follow him. The encouragement there, it's verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make it all about him. Make it all about him. And all these things will be provided for you. He knows what you need. And as you put him first, he's faithful to meet those needs and to provide for you. Encouragement for us this morning and a reminder for us is that we are only Sons, we're only daughters, we're only the children of God because of what Jesus has done for us. And in a moment we're gonna have a chance to celebrate communion. And it's a reminder for us of how we came into this relationship. We were adopted. We were adopted into the family of God. We weren't born there, we were adopted. And you know, I don't over overcook this, but no kid who gets adopted signs up for adoption or signs up to a family. They get chosen by the parents and brought into the family. It's got nothing to do with the kid. It's got everything to do with the parents. And it's exactly the same for us. It's had everything to do with our father and nothing to do with us. And we sit here this morning, adopted, loved, and chosen by him and brought into his eternal family and ready to live lives under his faithful care, under his fathering that's perfect it's not deficient in any any way. As earthly fathers get it wrong on a daily basis, God never ever puts a foot wrong. And so, for both the dads and for all of us who call Jesus Lord this morning, we can have full confidence that on this Father's Day, we get to celebrate our perfect Father, and entrust our lives again to Him. That He is loving us, He's leading us, He's with us, and He's providing for us. Before we come to celebrate. Communion. I want to take the opportunity to pray for the dads. Um, any dad here will know that they need as much prayer as they can get, Well, they should know. I'm telling them now, and they're reminding them. So I'm going to invite the dads to stand, and I want to pray for, I'm to pray for you guys as as dads, and then we're going to share communion together as a church family. So if you're a dad, won't you stand? Uh, those who aren't dads, pray with me. For these men, whether they be your husband or father or friend, let's pray. Let's come to the Lord together. Father, you are the perfect Father, and you love us, and you lead us, and you're with us, and you provide. You do a million other things that we're unaware of even. We thank you that you are the perfect, perfect Father. There's no improving on your fathering. And we thank you that um, you have chosen us to be yours. And Father, I want to pray for these men who stand before you this morning. We thank you collectively as dads that you've given us the joy of being fathers. We know many men long to be fathers, and you have given us the gift and the privilege of being, of being fathers, of being dads. We want to worship you and say thank you. Thank you for the gift of children. We love you for them, and we love them, and we pray, we look to you. That again on this Father's Day, you would fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit, with grace, with love, with power, with help from heaven. That we would be the kind of fathers in whom you take great delight. That as we look to you, as we try to follow you, that our children would be blessed by our fathering. That you would give us grace to guide them, to love them, to lead them, to discipline them, to model for them what it looks like to faithfully follow Jesus. That as we seek to provide for them, That you would lift anxiety off any of our shoulders this morning. That it's ultimately up to us. And remind us again that you are our faithful father. Who provides everything that we need as we seek your kingdom first. Make us prayerful men. Make us prayerful fathers we pray. Help us to father on our knees as we look to you. Thank you that it's not all ultimately up to us. Our children belong to you. And you love them. We pray that our prayers would reach your ears. And move your arm to minister into the lives of our kids and do what we are unable to do. But we pray for a fresh outpouring of your strength. We pray for courage. We pray for wisdom and for grace as we seek to faithfully follow you as fathers. We pray for my brothers this morning that you would anoint us afresh to father in your ways and enjoy the fact that we are fathered first and foremost by you. And we worship you and love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, brothers.